We haven't entirely nailed down what element it is yet, but I'll tell you this, it's a lively one. Let's give your parents a call right now. Hello! Welcome to episode number 11 of Gaming with the Moms. My name is Nicole Tanner. I am managing editor, pixelkin.org, and the mom of a three-year-old. I'm actually the only parent on the podcast this week. Are you? Oh my gosh. Yes. Yeah. Um, So Linda, our intrepid leader, is still in London hanging out with her daughter, which is very cool. So she's replaced again today by associate managing editor Courtney Holmes. Hi. I'm fake Linda this week again. (laughs) And as always, we are joined by (laughs) the beautiful, talented, and wonderful laughing Simone de Rochefort. Are you trying to get on my good side? (laughs) Are you trying to make it so I won't make any bad jokes about you this episode? No, I think that's that's impossible. All right, all right. I was just, you know, I'm nice sometimes. <laughs> Give me a break. Um, and then our guest today is Jenna Hostein. She is founder and head of development at Little Worlds Interactive, which is the studio that made The Counting Kingdom. Yay! Which we love. <laughs> She's also... Hello. Yeah, hello. Thanks for being with us, Jenna. Thanks for having me. I'm so excited to be here. Yeah. Um, so j- besides Counting Kingdom, Jenna's also done work on games like Revolution 60 and Golden Arrow. And we're going to be talking uh, a little later in the podcast about educational games, which is the topic Ooh. that Jenna is here Yay. for. <laughs> so before we do that, let's head into uh, some news or what stuff that's going on. I have a, I have a story to share. So I took my daughter to see Inside Out Uh was it yesterday? Yes, it was yesterday. Um, first time she's ever been in a movie theater. So <laughs> that was kind of um, kind of nerve-wracking. But everything went well. Um, she had some questions about some of the scenes. But the, the most kind of the funniest thing is that she, the characters on screen are crying. And she's sort of getting upset. And I'm crying at the same time. Trying to not, <laughs> trying to not let her know that I'm crying. Like, it's, it's okay, sweetie. It's okay. So... Um, <laughs> We were yeah. talking earlier today about the difference between good crying and bad crying and how, for kids, they might not necessarily understand yeah, the yeah. good kind of crying yet. That's yeah. a, another level. My daughter is terrified when I cry. Um, yeah. So oh. we've got to work on that. Now, I, don't even, I don't remember ever really seeing my mom get emotional as a child. My mom is a water fountain. <laughs> she... <laughs> she, she my mom once started crying. Descri- I asked her what the movie It's a Wonderful Life was about, and she gave me a plot synopsis and started crying at her own plot synopsis. <laughs> See, that's where that's my level right now. That's where I'm at. So, I mean, you've heard me talk about anime. <laughs> uh, no, that's that sort of happened to me last night when I was trying to tell my husband mm-hmm. about what was happening. I'm yeah. like, there's this character. That- okay, I'm not going to say anything more. Spoilers there. Um, so you don't want to start crying on the podcast. Exactly. I don't want to do that either. Um, Have you seen Inside Out yet, Jenna? No, I haven't, but uh, I've heard it's amazing, and I just adore all Pixar movies, so I'm sure I'll love it. Yeah, yeah, yeah. It was really great. I'm thrilled that my daughter did well at the movie theater because that world has now been opened back up to <laughs> myself and my husband, so um, we can actually go to movies now. Although they'll probably all be, <laughs> you know, animated kids' movies, A certain but, kind of film. <laughs> yeah. Hey, it's it's an experience that I miss. It's the movie so. theater popcorn, really. Yeah, that's what it's all about. Yeah. <laughs> And I, you know, I bought candy. We had popcorn. We had candy. She had a smoothie, which she's like Ooh. all into smoothies Ooh. now. Um, so, yeah. So I was like handing her M&Ms like every five <laughs> minutes if she was being quiet. She was actually really good. Like her, her keeping her voice down was the thing that I totally forgot 
yeah. that I needed to do in the movie theater. I was so worried that she was going to want to get up and like scream at the top of her lungs, I need to go potty or yeah. you know, <laughs> stuff like that. I totally <laughs> forgot about the just general like don't talk. Like, whisper, <laughs> you know? So, um, so yeah, so that took a little bit of um, uh, a little bit of uh, not nagging, but, you know, <laughs> reinforcement on my part. So um, I like your uh, food strategy, though. When I was when I was a kid with my siblings and my dad took us to the ballpark for the first time, for whatever reason, my brothers were just totally not interested in sports. And I was like, all right, baseball. <laughs> and so what my parents did was they bought like every time one of those vendors would come by, they would just buy one of pretty much everything. Uh-huh. And when we eventually ran out of food to consume was the point at which we left the ball game. Oh my gosh. <laughs> that was that my must first have... experience with baseball. Yeah. <laughs> that must have been so expensive. <laughs> $7 hot dogs sure for everyone. Was. Yeah. Wow. <laughs> That's very nice of them. Yeah. <laughs> Movie theater stuff is pretty expensive, oh. too. It was funny. We went out to the counter, and they had, like, this combo thing. It was, like, a soda and a popcorn. I'm like, okay, I'll have that. And then they bring out the cup, and it's, like, one of those ginormous 64-ounce <laughs> things. I'm like, no, 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 no. <laughs> I take that back. And they have, like, the cups and the bags, like, set out there. I'm yeah. like, I will take one of this size, please. Yes. <laughs> so, um, Yeah. So that was fun. Let's not introduce Anna to the concept of cups that you can bathe in. Yes, (laughs) exactly. Um, All right, so gaming news. Yeah, video games. um, It's calmed down quite a bit after E3. Yeah, this is the calm after the storm. Yes. Well, it more feels like the lingering anxiety after the storm. we're just picking up debris. (laughs) Yeah. Um, So there's an article on Polygon today. They talked to Reggie... Fizeme. Fizeme. Yeah. <laughs> Reggie Fizeme. Um, about Amiibo and everything Nintendo. Um, and basically, he said in the interview that while they love their Amiibos, they're still going to be super focused on games. Specifically, he said, the people involved in doing that, as in making the Amiibos, are not the same people involved in creating the games and creating the implementation. This article made me laugh because mm. I don't know anyone who thinks that game developers are out there making Amiibo. Yeah. <laughs> hand-painting the Amiibo. Right, exactly, yeah. Apparently they are hand-painted. That's what I learned from Reggie Fizeme today. Yeah. He's yeah. a very well-composed man. Yeah. All of his, every time I see him in an interview or a press statement or something, it's just sort of like so well-rehearsed and very, yes. very clean and respectable, but still friendly. I don't know. I'm impressed by him. Yeah. Um, Who is the real Reggie Fils-Aimé? Yeah. (laughs) It's just funny to me um, about the Amiibos and how popular they are. Nintendo's all into them now. Because Skylanders was originally pitched to them as a Wii exclusive. And Nintendo was like, no, 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 we don't know. I didn't know that. Yeah. And so now Skylanders are on all the consoles because Nintendo turned Mm -hmm. them down. Yeah. And then there are some Amiibo that are going to be in Skylanders. Yeah. whole thing is getting all mixed up. <laughs> it's all come full circle. Yes. We could have had Skylanders in Super Smash Brothers is what it's not I yeah. rolled out yet. Yeah. So speaking of Toys to Life, which is just taking over <laughs> gaming right now, um, Jar Jar Binks is going to be in Disney Infinity 3.0, um, but you can't play as him. Um, this was also another article on Polygon. The thing that I found really interesting about this um, is that the reason like Jar Jar and some of mm-hmm. the other like newer, newer in quotation mark characters um, are in Disney Infinity as opposed to the classic ones is because the kids 
see them yes. as their characters. Yeah, the target yeah. market yeah. for Disney Infinity 3.0 is kids 6 to 12. And apparently the parents of those children are not doing their jobs correctly. <laughs> <laughs> yes, exactly. <laughs> because the characters that they think of as the classic Star Wars characters are the ones from the prequels, which, I mean, are, I think, more kid-focused films than the original yeah. trilogy. But I don't, I don't really get angry at kids for liking Jar Jar. If they're under a certain age, it's like... You know what? Those movies are kind of hard to figure out what's going on. Yeah, yeah. he's he's a and little you've got bit this funny animated. Dude yeah, he's thing. he's yeah. sort of one of the only characters who's kind of like. At least I know where Jar Jar's coming from. <laughs> 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 Past a certain age, there's no excuse. You you need to hate him, but yeah. if you're a little kid, I kind of get it. Yeah. Oh, you need yeah. to hate the idea that they are like appropriating racial stereotypes to make their yeah no that's character. perfectly hateful. <laughs> if you're an adult, please hate Jar Jar. <laughs> I think we all already do. Yes, honestly. Good job, nerd community. <laughs> <laughs> nice. Um, so speaking of Star Wars, this is something we didn't talk about last week in our E3 thing, but Battlefront. Oh, yeah. Um, we saw a nice long demo for on the E3, uh, EA's E3 press conference. Um, and uh, it's, I was surprised at how shooter-ish it is. Yeah. I guess it is called Battlefront. It is. <laughs> <laughs> Thanks, <There's> Courtney. <laughs> Um, She's a sharp one. That's why we keep her around. Yeah. <laughs> um, but the thing that was surprising to me is just how kind of violent yeah, it actually is. It was very much – I mean, they were probably just – or they were most certainly focusing on the more action-oriented parts of it for that audience and to showcase, like, how exciting it is. But, yeah, it was very – shooter style constant fighting constant shooting yeah dead bodies flying and all kinds of stuff so what are some of the oh you go i'm not super familiar with the previous ones were the the previous star wars battlefronts not quite as action oriented i think they were action oriented it's just that you know it's been a while since one of those Mm. has been released so obviously the graphics and have been you know Mm -hmm. jumped up and i think the gameplay has been more refined and you mentioned okay. that, yeah, they were not including blood because they are still going for that T rating. That's my assumption. I watched yeah. that video. I watched that demo very closely a couple times just yeah. to look at the people that were dying, and I'm like, there mm. they go, there they, oh, there's no blood. There's no blood. Ah, that tells me something. Um, and obviously, they're going to want to keep a T rating if the, you know they yeah. can't go M with that game. No, well, this, God, this kind of makes me think of the new Batman game. You know, for forever that Batman Arkham series, they've always been T, yeah. and then this one kicked it up to M and had some very creepy stuff in there. Yeah, um, and I I wonder why they made that choice. Like, yeah, it is kind of weird. they did the same the same thing with the latest Lord of the Rings game too. Shadow yeah. of Mortar was oh, M yeah. as well. I wonder if M games sell better. I'm sure they probably do. I think T is kind of this, like, weird void that doesn't really mean anything in real life because once kids get to be about 13 or 14, they just want to play the M-rated games. And, like, you know, kids that that are younger, I guess, would play T games, but there's, like, no... You know, I don't know. T has already has always seemed like a weird. I mean, it's a. Yeah. It makes sense as a rating, but from a consumer parent standpoint, I don't think I it makes a lot I, of sense. I could see it going both ways almost because I'm sure there are those parents out there who won't buy M rated games for their kids. And I think to them, T probably is a safer, safer bet. But um, I'm not sure about. I mean, as an adult, I don't really look at the ratings as much, especially because I don't have kids around me who could, you know, be exposed to them. But, 
Yeah, I don't know if tea would make a difference to me as an adult if I were looking at purchasing a game and or, or M rather, if if seeing an M-rated game would make me want to buy it more. I don't know, it makes me yeah. think of the PG-13 versus R rating a lot yeah. and yeah. how the PG-13 rating was actually kind of um, conceived by Steven Spielberg and has an interesting history because mm. he initially wanted a more audience to be able to access his R movies, but then all that ended up happening is he got less audience accessing his PG movies because uh, yeah. they made more of the PGs turn oh. into PG-13s instead of R's turning into PG-13s. Uh. So it, Anyway, it's yeah. interesting. But yeah. it, it is interesting. I mean, there's a lot of um, of similarities there because I feel like in film, mm-hmm. the PG-13 rating has really, it's been pushed. Um, like Lord of the Rings is another great example. Yeah. Like some of the things that happened in those movies, I'm like, oh my gosh, and this is still <laughs> PG-13? Like, mm-hmm. yeah. seriously. Um, so that's why I think it's, you know, happening, going on here with Battlefront is that they're yeah. sort of taking themselves right up to the edge. Yeah. It's interesting. I could see Shadow of Mordor making sense, uh, like going for the M-rated property or game for Lord of the Rings because it's sort of a spin-off. It's not really about any of those familiar characters that we know. Mm-hmm. Um, so for the Batman thing, it doesn't make sense yeah. at all because it's all the same Batman. But yeah, <laughs> it depends on how you're looking at that. There have True. been how many Batman? Yeah, the time five yeah. has it been five. Yeah. <laughs> Um, yeah, so anyway, so that's interesting. Um, if you're listening, we'd love to hear you chime in on this. Um, obviously, you know, I think it would definitely kill the Star Wars. I mean, I don't know. Yeah, I, can't. I thought it would kill Lord of the Rings and Batman, too, but apparently it hasn't. Um, I can't imagine an M-rated Star Wars. Yeah. What do you think, Jenna? Yeah. Well, I think it really depends on the franchise as well. You know, Star Wars has always been very family-friendly, whereas uh, Batman, particularly with the recent movies, have gone very dark, very grim, very adult. Um, And so that kind of, I think, can be a better fit, like having a real rated M game for Batman. But for Star Wars, I would just be so surprised if they ever made a move to, you know, completely cut out their any potential for a kid audience. Yeah. You know, that's really true. And I like thinking back at the Batman comics, it's always had its like, it's you know, brighter spots and it's more grim, dark spots where Star Wars has always kind of like stayed up there in that very space opera accessible area, accessible space opera. Oh my God, I can't believe I just used those words in a sense together. You know, hey, it's like when I said turn of the century a few episodes ago. <laughs> 2000, the turn yeah. of the century. Yeah. yeah. Um, Whereas Lord of the Rings, I think, even though those movies were incredibly mainstream and popular when they came out, the books are not accessible at all for yeah. young people. So. Anyway. Or or older people. Or older people. <laughs> I mean, like, I read through the trilogy, but, like, getting through the two towers, oh, man, I had to really force myself to do that. There was a time, <laughs> middle school, when I wanted to, thought I would read that trilogy every year, and I think I kept that up for about two years, and then I did not do that again. Wow. <laughs> yeah. Um, so moving into uh, more Nintendo news, but definitely not Star Wars news. So Fire Emblem Fates is going to include same-sex marriage. This is probably what I wrote all my notes that I left in the office. Yeah, I think we can remember all your notes because you were talking out loud so much. Um, uh, so, yeah, so this is kind of a big deal for Nintendo because in previous games they've been like, no, no, no. Yeah, Nintendo mm. doesn't have a great track record for um, LGBTQ rights. Do you want to yeah. summarize the Tomodachi life oh, uproar, Courtney? Yeah, basically Tomodachi life is a lot like The Sims. Uh, from what I, I haven't actually played it. From what I gather, it's a lot like The Sims. 
Uh, except your people are more like Miis, and, um, which are the avatars you use on your Wii or Wii U console. And um, Wii or Wii U. Sorry. <laughs> <laughs> distracted. Um, and because it's sort of like The Sims, it means you're like playing out your life. You can have friends. You can, you know, get married. But it was all only same-sex relationships. And, or no. Uh, no, opposite <laughs> sex. <laughs> the, the opposite of what I just said. I am rescinding your rights to summarize this. I'm, I'm done. That's it. Yeah. That, so basically that game came out, I think, a couple of years ago. And people were like, well, why can't we have same-sex relationships if these are all just like little avatars? And Nintendo was like, mm-hmm. we don't want to have a political agenda about relationships. And people are like, but wait, we just want yeah, them to exist. It's yeah. nothing. You're making it a political agenda yeah. by not allowing yeah. Right. So. Fast forward to this year when Fire Emblem Fates uh, is coming out. Fire Emblem is a series of tactical role-playing games. Uh, They're kind of medieval fantasy style. And there will be same-sex relationships, but they're doing something really weird with it where there are two versions of the game. And in each one, there's one love interest that can be in a same-sex relationship with you. So there's a gay male version of the game, or gay male or heterosexual male, and then... Um, gay female or heterosexual female, et cetera, et cetera. And that, that I, that I am, I have no really, nothing to say about that. It's an interesting thing and I'd like to see how it plays out. The thing that I think a lot of people are upset about uh, within the fan community that I'm seeing is that they're, you know. the face rubbing. The face rubbing. (laughs) Okay, first of all, the the fact that, you know, it's just one for each, and apparently the male love interest is a sadist, and the female love interest is a... She stalks people that she likes, which is kind of like, already that's kind of like, ah, I I would, you know, I'd like more choices than that, but okay. Yeah. Yeah. And then on top of that, there's another weird level with this game where um, traditionally in Fire Emblem games, you rank up your relationships with people, and they'll trust you more. The S-rank relationship is reserved for when you can have kids with people. And in this one, you can get an S-rank relationship with people that are your half-siblings. And that is... (laughs) Yeah. They're going all kinds of weird places. Yeah, and Casey pointed out in the office when you were reading about it earlier that that means you can technically have more, like, pseudo-incest relationships than you can gay relationships. Which, in my opinion... So yeah, it's it's interesting, and I I think it doesn't come out till tomorrow, um, when the twenty fifth. Today's the twenty fourth, um, but it's kind of like I see that there was an attempt made, but I definitely don't feel super great about what is what <laughs> yeah. I'm seeing from the outside. Um, are you familiar with Fire Emblem at all, Jenna? I'm not. One of the things I'm wondering about is why are there two versions to begin with? Is this kind of like a Pokemon type thing where there's like a red version and a green version? <laughs> <laughs> I'm so confused. I am. I am also really confused. I think it might have to do with like who your allies in the game are, and then there's a third version actually that is downloadable. Yeah, <laughs> don't, it's very. If you've ever tried to learn about a JRPG in, like, the two hours that you have to prepare before a podcast, <laughs> you know that you cannot. <laughs> yes. Plus, uh, yeah. Nintendo and unnecessarily complex go hand in hand. Yes. So, yes, this is true. Actually, JRPG and unnecessarily complex go hand in hand, mm-hmm. more so than Nintendo. <laughs> yeah. It's I think true, that's yeah. where the face rubbing came out, was yeah. trying to understand this. The face rubbing. So, you want to explain the face yeah. rubbing? Yeah. Uh, I need some context on the face <laughs> <laughs> So part of my research for this game, uh, 
interviewing my Fire Emblem fan acquaintances led to one of the things that you can do in this game to build your relationship with people is rub their faces, like, in a friendly way. You know, like friends do. Yeah, like friends do. I have no idea how this plays out. But so this Are they led cat me- people? They're not cat people. Uh, <laughs> fortunately slash unfortunately. <laughs> Thank not a furry incest game. Um, oh, God. So... <laughs> Yeah, so basically, which which of course leads to these weird dialogue lines that I was reading where, like, you're rubbing your sibling's face and they're oh. saying things about it. It's, it's, it made me, reading the lines, really uncomfortable. Of course, I do not know. This game isn't coming to America till 2016. So I fully, frankly, I fully expect the localization team to uh, make a lot of changes because <laughs> they tend to do that. But um, stuff like yeah. creepy stuff like oh, you're touching Big Sister's face. And like, oh, God, I don't want to even think about that. Anyway, yeah. so we all have begun rubbing each other's faces in the office to build yes. up trust yes. between each other, yes. which is why Nicole is so nice to me today. Yeah. <laughs> exactly. <laughs> Simone's been rubbing my face a lot today. <laughs> Crucial to improve your inter-office relationship. Exactly. That's... As we've learned from this game, face rubbing is a critical component. Yeah. So, sure. Yes. I'm sure you do that as well. <laughs> you interview a new sure. employee, rub their face a little bit, get them nice and comfortable. There are benefits to being a one-person office. <laughs> <laughs> Rub your own face. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> All right. Uh, yeah, that was an interesting tangent. <laughs> yeah. Basically, I to sum this up, like reserve judgment on this game, everyone, until it comes out in the US, in the US yeah. and even until it comes out in Japan, because we do not know what the full version of the game is yet. It's interesting that they've added same-sex relationships, but I'm also very skeptical of how it's going to be played out. Yeah. That was a very politically correct answer there. <laughs> I specialize in being politically correct. <laughs> My furry incest face rubbing. Okay. <laughs> all right. So I think that's all the news. It's kind of a uh, really... Excuse me. You sent me a link about Tearaway. Oh. That you said we would talk about. <laughs> See, I didn't print it out because I knew that you were going <laughs> to... You were and deliberately I... trying to silence me. <laughs> No, go. Tearaway unfolded. Simone, go. Yeah, so they had... (laughs) It's me! Uh, As I explained last week, Tearaway is a game that came out for the Vita. They're making a version of it called Tearaway Unfolded for the PS4, adding a lot of, I think, I guess, new content, and also just remapping the controls so that you can play it on the PS4 controller as opposed to the PlayStation Vita, which is PlayStation's sad, maligned, handheld console that I think is really Mm. great and no one else likes. Um, Anyway. (laughs) I'm sure more people would like it if they knew it existed. Yeah. (laughs) Consoles only succeed when they have lots of games, and there's just not enough games on the Vita. That is very true and unfortunate. Although the games that are on there are good. Persona. Tearaway. Tearaway. Mostly Tearaway. Love Tearaway. <laughs> um, so basically, they we have some more details about how uh, we'll be able to interact with Tearaway. And one of the things that they mentioned, or that um, they post, or Rex, Rex Kroll from Media Molecule posted, is that it will have a companion app available for phones and tablets. And if you remember from me talking about the first Tearaway, one of the things that you could do was take pictures with the camera on the Vita and apply those textures to things in the world. Like I could take a picture of my bedspread and then use it to make an elk that has the same pattern on its fur as my 
bed is patterned, which is it was really cool. And you could also take pictures of like your friends and put them in the world. Um, so basically, this companion app will be used so that people can draw on it and put those patterns in the world. And I believe that is also how we will be able to put photographs in the game. Uh, without using the PlayStation Eye, which is um, no one has, because yeah. <laughs> the there's no camera yeah. on the controller, obviously. So yeah, and, there is a camera on the Wii U gamepad. So maybe oh, just everyone really else needs to catch up there. <laughs> oh my god! Actually, the Wii U would be great for Tearaway. The Wii U would be literally perfect for Tearaway. My god, bad! Yeah. It's totally a Sony yeah. first medium molecule <laughs> revolt from Sony. <laughs> you know, know what they need to do? Like Nintendo just needs to co-opt that idea and <laughs> make knockoff tearaway yeah make knock rip off away rip <laughs> <laughs> nice. no it'd be called rip off <laughs> there's already a game called rip off Simone oh no it'd be a rip off not two games then. up on your classic gaming knowledge <laughs> when did that come out 1950 there I love let me rub your face come here <laughs> Um, so anyway, yeah. the, the really exciting thing about this is I think a second player will be able to like draw stuff and participate while someone else is playing the game, which yay, interactivity, creativity, collaboration, love it. Yeah, I thought the companion app thing looked pretty yeah, cool. Yeah, very cool. Because you could totally like, you know, <sighs> just wreck somebody's game hey. in addition to helping. Hey, <laughs> so you, like, maybe so you would do Tara that. Tara is about cooperation, Nicole. Oh, Tara okay. is about and me crying alone in my room over little paper people. <laughs> you know if you play that in the office I'm going to be like secretly downloading the companion apps <laughs> uh, no I can't make judgment on Tearaway I've never played it it's amazing it, it does look look adorable I will literally lend you my PlayStation Vita she's except- lent it to everyone else yeah. Simone is the reason why Tearaway is popular because she's lent her PS Vita to everyone who didn't have a Vita <laughs> yes. so that they could play Tearaway at least three people now have had my Vita and played I it was Tearaway more than that. Is it? Yeah. Maybe it is. Mm-hmm. Maybe it'll be four soon. Looks <laughs> <at> Nicole. <laughs> hey, I do have a long plane ride coming up. Ooh. Although I think most of that will be spent trying to keep my daughter occupied. <laughs> With Tearaway. <laughs> With Tearaway. Yeah, who knows? Yeah. Um, so, all yeah. Right. So is that all the Tearaway news? I, that is all the Tearaway news. Thank you. You said something in there that just, like, made me think of a totally tangent. You said you were putting your bedspread pattern on an elk, which just totally made me think of... This kid's story, it's apparently this kid's character is, like, really popular. It's Elmer the Patchwork Elephant. Okay. And he's, like, he's like seriously, like, patchwork. Um, he's the only elephant like that. All the other elephants look like regular elephants. And this, <laughs> this story that uh, we checked out one of the books at the library because, man, I thought it looked cool. And so the thing was, like, there's Elmer's Day where uh-huh. everybody dresses up and, you know, puts on makeup or whatever to make them look all crazy and Elmer gets to like roll around in some Aww. gray berry juice that makes him look like a normal elephant. Oh no. <laughs> it's just like this is the weirdest thing ever. <laughs> I mean, I have come across so many odd things As now that I'm a parent yeah. <laughs> and it's all in books. It is all in books. It's not necessarily TV or movies. It is books, which is kind <laughs> of terrifying. Huh. So, I need to go back through some of my old kid uh, books from when I was a kid, I guess. Yeah. yeah. Look for the weird stuff. You know what book this... is absolutely depressing? The Pokey Little Puppy. <gasps> I vaguely remember that. It's, I oh, remember the I name. Know. It's terrible. It's like the 
dog gets left behind in the end because he's not fat. He doesn't keep up with this. I read it to my niece like a few years ago. I'm like, hey, boogie little puppy, that sounds so cute. Let's read this. And I'm reading it. I'm like, oh my God, this is terrible. This is your lesson. When I was not fast enough, your parents will leave you behind. When I was a kid, I really liked the giving tree, but my mom hated it because she thought it was an abusive relationship. Did your mom cry oh. reading The Giving Tree? Probably. But then when I was three, I threw up all over it, and so I never had to read it again. <laughs> That's one way to get rid of a book. <laughs> oh, oh, my, my goodness. Gosh. I'm kidding. We actually still have our copy. The pages are all wiggly. <laughs> oh, oh, man. <laughs> I'm sorry. That is so gross. Oh, my God. <laughs> cleaned it. Oh, you, oh Gary, it, it gets worse. We cleaned it. <laughs> I'm sorry. Oh, my goodness. So, <laughs> moving on. Yes, I'm sorry I brought up children's books now. <laughs> now we know better. Um, uh, hopefully we can say a lot more things about children's games. Segway. <laughs> um, so like I said at the beginning of the podcast, Jenna made this wonderful game called The Counting Kingdom, which is a math game that is actually fun. Yay. Um, so Jenna, <laughs> do you want to like talk about kind of what that is and what inspired you to make that game? Sure. So The Counting Kingdom, like you said, is a math game. It's uh, targeted at kids 6 to 8, but I found that it really kind of depends on the kids' individual level, and I've seen 4-year-olds love it, and I've seen 10-year-olds love it. So it really depends on the kids. But the basic parts of the game is you are a wizard, and you're trying to defend the kingdom from the invading monsters. So you use math to cast magic spells and protect the castles and banish the monsters. So the basic idea, you know, like you said, is really just to make an educational game that's actually legitimately very fun. The reason I got into making educational games is I was uh, generally pretty disappointed with the quality of the educational apps that I saw that Mm -hmm. were kind of, you know, dominating the kids category and the educational category um, and thought that maybe I could do something about that. Maybe I could make a a better math game. So that's what I've been trying to do. Well, thank nice. you. Yeah. yeah, thank you so much. Yes. The thing that... Because the math is yeah. on the level that Simone needs he- in order oh. to calculate, oh. calculate our podcast downloads. Come here and rub my face. <laughs> <laughs> oh. No, but I adored Simone's review. That was one of my favorite, favorite reviews of the game because I think one of the biggest things that math games can do is change people's attitudes about math. And there are so many kids who just hate math because of the way that we're teaching it or have so much anxiety Mm -hmm. around math from these time tests. And if we can change those attitudes, that just makes everything easier. Yeah, that's exactly my, that was my reaction to it. Like you said, was that it was a math game that didn't make me feel stressed. It didn't make me feel scared. (laughs) You know, I'm the person where I'll be, someone will be like, oh, how, how much time is between this and this? And I'll be, I'll, I'll panic. Completely (laughs) and utter, like mind blank, like 50, wait, 40, 72, what? And (laughs) I've, I've added instead of subtracting in like doing my health stats in Dungeons and Dragons before. That's how bad I am at math. (laughs) So for me to, like be able to sit down and play this game and like realize that it's not that time test atmosphere it is just like i can look at these numbers and i can think about it and then i can make an informed 
choice. And obviously, I'm not 10 years old, or nor am I six to eight. <laughs> but like, it was still it was still really engaging in that way. And it it, it did. Um, it made me wish that that had been around when I was learning the mathematical concepts, because like those, those time tests, I think, really just ruined a generation of children. <laughs> God, no, hate- you're right, and they've done studies showing that those time tests are causing what they call math anxiety in kids mm-hmm. as young as five. Oh my and gosh, I can corroborate that. absolutely heartbreaking. Yeah. And like you said, that totally carries into adulthood. One of the things that I found so interesting is when I exhibit the game, kids will come up and just like jump in. They're like, don't even tell me what to do. I'm just going to, we're going to figure this out. Yeah. And nice. when adults come up and play it nine times out of 10, they're like, oh, you know, I'm not really good at math. And they're like, just saying all these things to like hedge just in case they make a mistake. And I'm like, this is a judgment-free zone. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> wow. Well, uh, yeah. But that anxiety persists. You know, mm-hmm. people are so worried about being judged on their math. Yeah. That's very true. And it's, Yeah, there's just something about, I guess, the culture of teaching math. I think especially because it it is kind of one of those things where I feel like if you're you're not good in an English class, it's not because you're not smart. It's just because it's not your thing. Whereas with Mm -hmm. with math and science, I think there's a lot more kind of harshness towards the people (laughs) who are not good at those things. Of course, I... I've never not been good at English, so I might just be speaking from personal experience. No, I think that's exactly right. I think that we equate math with smart much more than we do other subjects. Mm. Yeah. Thank you. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah. I mean, and that's like you just see in like the way mathematicians are sort of portrayed, especially in films. The thing that makes me think of is goodwill hunting. Oh, yeah. And, you know, they're. Mm-hmm. Talking about, you know, it's always it's always guys for one thing. Yeah. And for another thing, like you have to be like this weird kind of idiot savant genius type person to get math. And I think yeah. that that doesn't help uh, either. Yeah. So when you were when you're making this game, did you like test it on children at points during its development or tests on children (laughs) there are did you invite children to play it (laughs) yes as much as possible and that's that's that was one of the real um hurdles that i came up against is that in my sort of personal network the friends that i have who have kids at this point they're all like babies and so they're quite ready for that game and so just trying to find kids it's so hard to find kids in a way that's not like Go to like a park and like, come here, kids! Yeah, exactly. <laughs> exactly. It's, it's so have toys for And you. so I, I try to exhibit the game as much as possible, just at places like PACs, at science fairs, at school fairs, like really wherever I could. Nice. Um, just to, you know, have the opportunity to watch lots of kids play the game and see where they were excited, see where they got bored, see where they kind of stumbled and missed how to use the mechanics, but... Yeah, absolutely. Another thing that I did was uh, sign up to tutor a third grade girl every week just to make sure that I was getting kind of a weekly uh, a grounding. Yeah, wow, <laughs> that's really of smart. What third graders are actually like. Yeah. <laughs> nice. That's I like really that a lot. Cool. Yeah. Super Good cool. idea. Yeah, so you're really smart. <laughs> <laughs> it's like this is your job. <laughs> so one of the things that we were, you know, touching on a little bit, Jenna, is like you saw that it was kind of like a real lack of good educational games out there for that age mm-hmm. group. And like even not so for that age group, it's a difficult thing. Like my daughter's three and I look at apps for her all the time. 
you know, would like to be educational and fun, but it's so hard to find those. It's like the edu- educational ones are either too educational and not fun or the fun yeah. games are lacking uh, enough educational value. So how do you think that you strike a balance between those two? So what I tried to do was design the Counting Kingdom from the bottom up, making math the core mechanic. I think one of the really common pitfalls that people fall into when they're making these games is that they have the learning part and then they have the fun part. Mm. But really, those two things need to be exactly the same thing. If you Mm. have, you know, I've seen God knows how many math apps where it's like, let's do a quiz question. Okay, now let's do something fun as a reward. (laughs) (laughs) And what that teaches kids is that math is so boring that they have to be rewarded with something fun just for getting through it. Yeah. And so that's reinforcing these really, really terrible misconceptions about math. And what I wanted to do with the Counting Kingdom was show that math is actually something really powerful and really awesome that you can mm-hmm. do these great earth-changing things with. And so I really tried to make sure that the core mechanic of the game, the fun part of the game, was the math itself. Mm-hmm. Yeah, yeah, that's great. Um, so is there anybody else out there right now that you think is succeeding in that? Oh, absolutely. One of my favorite apps from the past year. I don't know. I think you guys must have seen this one, 12 a Dozen. Hmm. I don't think I, I know that one. It sounds oh, familiar. It's but... so good. <laughs> it's, um, it's this really, really – so one of my big pet peeves with educational games is that frequently the production values can be much lower than in other categories, mm-hmm. you know, for whatever reason. I think sometimes people just don't take kids seriously, so they're like, eh, we'll throw <laughs> some art at it. Yeah. But 12 a Dozen is this really, really beautiful app where you are um, 12 – and I think you're 12, or maybe your friend is 12. I haven't played it in a little while. One of the characters is 12. <laughs> <laughs> you're running around uh, this world and finding little numbers called numbers, and you have to combine them in certain ways in order to progress through the world. And so it's, um, I would call it a puzzle platformer, actually. Oh. And you also get different uh, special abilities depending on how you combine the numbers. So some numbers let you swim some numbers, let you do super jumps. And Mm. so it's just a very, very clever approach um, to sort of integrating math into a platformer. That is really interesting. I'm going to have to check that out. I'm going to go download it as soon as we're done. (laughs) Speaking of, I mean, game quality, like that was one of the things I really appreciated about The Counting Kingdom, as you know, is how cute and good the art is. Like. Those monsters, oh my gosh, I love the monster design. They are so cute. Did it break your heart to destroy them? No, I love to destroy them. <laughs> Thank you, yeah. The artist that I work with is just unbelievably talented. And the way I met him was actually one of my friends was working with him, and I saw the art that he was doing for this other game, and, and I hadn't even you know, met him or heard of him or whatever at that point. And I was like, wow, whoever is doing the art for that game, I need to meet this person and convince them to work with me. Nice. <laughs> <laughs> That's very cool. And so it worked, fortunately. Yeah, yeah, and you're in Boston, right? So the indie game community there is super close-knit, right? Is it? Yeah, we have line? a great community. Very yeah, yeah. lucky. Yeah, Cool. Um, so uh, we actually have an interview with Jenna up on the site mm. um, done by one of our writers, Nathan Minier. And um, some of the things that you talked about in that article, Jenna, were like some of the great educational games that you played growing up that just really don't exist anymore. 
Mm-hmm. Um, and I, re- I really like um, connected with that, having been, you know, loving the Oregon Trail and all those games back in the day. Although I never played uh, Where in the World is Carmen Sandiego. Oh, my gosh. <laughs> I loved those games so much. <laughs> I well, love Carmen Sandiego. <laughs> While we're talking about this, I have to say that my favorite educational game of all time from the 90s is coming back very soon. <laughs> I am so excited. Wow, Courtney, what game is that? I it is the logical journey about... of the Zumbinis, Simone. Only the <laughs> best game. game. <laughs> oh, it's so good. Oh, and I backed them on Kickstarter and I can't wait. I cannot wait to get <laughs> my actually, copy of the game. Jenna, are there any games that you looked at when you were designing The Counting Kingdom as inspiration? Um, oh, that's a good question. So I kind of went back and tried to find YouTube videos of a lot of the games I played growing up because nice. most of them you just really can't play anymore. Mm-hmm. Um, and so that was games like Treasure Mountain, like pretty much <gasps> anything from the Super Solver series yeah. I played over and over and over and over and over and over and over again. <laughs> and then you'll definitely see some inspiration from other games like um, Plants vs. Zombies, you know, just games that I've really mm-hmm. loved in the past couple of years. Yeah. Oh, my gosh. I'm having a flashback right now to all the oh, Treasure Mountain and that one where you're in the school and the robots are there. <laughs> yes. That one was so good. What is that called? Oh, my gosh. I don't know. <laughs> I, I'm pretty I – found, I found a bunch of these old, like, files uh, online to torrent a few years ago and I did manage to get them working on my computer somehow but I think wow. that was the one the old computer that died um, which <laughs> was probably not my fault <laughs> but it, was, it was a crazy like flashback trip wow Simone and I bonded early in our yeah. friendship over uh, Jumpstart 4th grade Jumpstart 4th grade the one that was the only Jumpstart I ever had couldn't get to work but <laughs> yeah <laughs> That game was gone ex- forever, but it was so much fun. <laughs> I never played that one, but I'm extra excited about the Zumbinis coming back because I missed that. And just watching some of the Let's Plays, I adore the game, and I'm so excited that I'm actually going to get the chance to play it. Me yeah. too. It, oh, it my is gosh. so much fun. Yeah. <laughs> it, and it's it's really just these fantastic logic-based puzzles that are mm-hmm. really smart, but it's also one of those rare puzzle games that you can play over and over and over again, and it doesn't get old because the puzzles keep changing. It's just the yeah. mechanics that stay the same with each mm. level. So, yeah, I'm I'm going to yeah. pretty much vanish off the face of the earth once I get my copy. I agree. Maybe this time, <laughs> maybe now we can actually beat it because yeah, we're old I think and smart. I watched a Let's Play <laughs> of, the, the, of the original game on the super, super hard mode. There's like four difficulty levels, and I could never, ever get close to doing it as a kid, but I was watching this Let's Play, and the two guys playing it kept messing up, and I was like, no, no, you're doing this awful. I solved it like a minute ago. <gasps> so it's, <laughs> it's exciting to yeah. come back as an adult. A lot of the Zumbini's puzzles are based on... Um, t- what it? Um, what's the word I'm looking for here? Matching. It's a lot of matching. <laughs> matching uh, numbers, ruling things like out. Deductive reasoning. Right? Deductive, yeah. yeah, deductive yeah. reasoning. Yeah, and it's just, it gets really challenging really fast, and it's but it's also just so it's so good. It's so good. Yeah. Yeah. Um, so Jenna, what, what what's the next thing coming from you? Yeah. Can we expect another brilliant educational game in the future? <laughs> <laughs> Okay. <laughs> so this spring has mostly been about um, trying to bring the Counting Kingdom to new places. So mm. we've done the Android port. I'm working on a couple different um, sort of business partnerships. And my hope is that 
uh, by the end of the summer, early fall, I'll be able to really jump into production for the next game. Nice. Um, there is just so much more that I, I want to do that I wish I could have done with the Counting Kingdom. And mm. so the vision for the next game has gotten exponentially larger than what I can actually pull off. Yeah. <laughs> but yes, I'm, I'm very excited to jump back into production. Awesome. Oh, that's so exciting. Awesome. <laughs> All right. Jenna, thank you so much for being here. Was there anything else that you wanted to add before we segue? I don't think so. Thank okay. you for having me. I appreciate it. Yeah, so at the end of the podcast, we all talk about what we've been playing. So is there any games that you've been playing recently? How many am I allowed to talk about? (laughs) (laughs) Okay, let me rephrase that. Are there any released games that you have been playing recently? Oh, lots of them. So uh, most recently, I've been playing Pikmin 3. Mm. It's fun, but so stressful. Yeah, the time limit really gets you. Yeah. The timing and the fact that sometimes the little pigmen just get caught in geometry and I can't get them, and then at the end of the day, they basically die. I'm like, oh, no. off from the oh, planet, no. and the bad guys are chasing them, uh. and my heart just breaks. <laughs> yeah, yeah I, I got so much better at Pikmin when I realized that you could replay the days, and then I would just oh, do this oh. the same day over and over and over again until I got the result that I wanted. Whereas yeah. the first time I played through it, it was like day seven and I was so far behind and I was just freaking out. <laughs> but it's a great series. Yeah. Mm. And then I'm playing Splatoon. Yay! Oh my gosh. And I hate shooters as a genre. Like it just does not work for me, but I adore Splatoon. We are loving Splatoon here, except I can never find time to play it with Courtney, and it's killing me inside. Yeah, we haven't done a Let's Play yet. I can't believe that. I honestly cannot believe that. Well, E3 happened. Yeah. (laughs) Kept kept us busy. E3 is just like a black hole of nobody does anything besides work. I honestly don't remember the last two weeks of my life, so. (laughs) It's all a blur. I know it didn't contain Splatoon, therefore it wasn't important. Tragic. Yeah. Tragic. And then the last game that I've had so much fun with recently is Affordable Space Adventure. Yay, I love that game. I've never played that. I haven't. It's at the EMP Indie Game Exhibit, which PixCon is a sponsor of. So you guys should go down to the EMP and play it. (laughs) (laughs) It's so much fun. And I think of any Wii U game I've seen so far, it really makes the best use of the gamepad because it's so it's a co-op game and you're, you know, flying this little spaceship around and the gamepad serves as your um like engine controls, so you can turn different things on and off, you can switch between a fuel engine and an electric engine, and so it, you know, it's not kind of just like redundant information, it actually is like the operations person, that is their post, that is what they're doing, so you have one person flying, one person doing science, and one person doing operations, it's so much fun. That is so cool. Wow. I should play that. Yeah, yeah. yeah it would be a great family game, too, because the, the science and the navigation are, you know, all you need is a little joystick to move around. Yeah, it's actually, oh, yeah. that game is mentioned in one of our articles that's coming out tomorrow, I think. Yeah, the name sounded familiar. Yeah, it's uh, we have a list of, like, affordable Wii U games yes. for families. And that's Affordable Space Adventures is on the list. Cheap, downloadable <laughs> Wii U games. Yep. Yes. Hey. That's what we do. <laughs> um, 
So uh, I know one thing all three of us, Courtney, Simone, and I, <laughs> have oh, been God. playing um, is Fallout Shelter. I can't stop. <laughs> <laughs> I have a problem. And Courtney was like all skeptical <laughs> when I told her. And no, then... <laughs> yeah, no. I, the first day that I played was just like, uh, and then I everything changed when the yeah. Fire Nation attacked. So <laughs> for our listeners, Fallout Shelter is basically like – the Sims, but Fallout themed. Ugh, I'm not. It's rated 12 up on the Apple Store. Yeah. Um, and so you, uh, it's, they're like it's like a tiny hotel game basically yeah. where you have a little colony of people and you're trying to take care of them. Except instead of in a hotel, it takes place in a Fallout shelter after a nuclear winter, and, or doing during the yes. vaults as they are called yeah, in so, Fallout lore. <laughs> yeah. So um, you have to like keep their food levels up, keep the electricity generator running so that they can like produce wa- clean water and you can give them like little weapons to fight off raiders and giant roaches that attack. And yeah, it's um, the rad roaches. Yeah. yeah. I mean, it's like, like Courtney said, the gameplay isn't anything new really. It's just basically like a tiny tower ish type clone. Um, but because it's got that Fallout skin on it, and it's kind of got the Fallout sense of humor yeah. <laughs> infused in it as well, I think it makes it really cool. It just has a really good rhythm. <laughs> yeah. Like, you can zoom in on all your little people, and then they, they will make comments it's that are hilarious. It's really pretty. Like, it is, yeah. Be, the perspective when you zoom, you can zoom in so close on the rooms and, like, look around. It's very cool. Yeah. yeah. The um the male and female characters, if they are in their living quarters together, they will often... Um, all the time. Yeah. All the time. Well, they won't <laughs> if they're related, so take that fire emblem. Um, <laughs> really? Are you sure? Oh, I'm totally sure. I have, okay. I have a lot of family, because... Almost my entire colony died, all, all but like three, and now they're pretty much all related except for a couple. So yeah, like, I was wondering oh. about that because I couldn't remember who was related to who. Yeah, no, I can't remember either. So I remember. <laughs> anyway, they will they will flirt and then they'll run into a back room and little smiley faces will appear and they will emerge and the female will be pregnant. Yes. Um, and yeah. very pregnant. So, very, very pregnant. So, <laughs> this is a, like it's worth talking about. Like, is this something that concerns us? Like, luckily, it's not really gendered. Nobody gets leveled up for doing it. Yeah. Um, both the pregnant women and the uh, men can do an equal amount of labor. The only difference between pregnant uh, work. work. We don't want to get confused I'm sorry. here. <laughs> work. <laughs> work. Um, yeah. The only difference is that if the the base is attacked by. Um, you know, either fire or rad roaches or raiders, the women are, the pregnant women cannot get hurt. They just yeah. run around and scream. Yeah, yeah, they throw their arms up in the air and like, Woo! but yeah, not, which to be fair is what the rest of the uh, dwellers do as well, unless you tell them to attack whatever is attacking yeah. you. Um, you know what's been screwing me up? I keep thinking about this because. It's based on the Fallout game series. So when we say it, we say Fallout Shelter. But if you're talking about a Fallout Shelter, you say Fallout Shelter. Fallout Shelter? Fallout Shelter. It's screwing me up. The <laughs> emphasis is on a different word. I think the about em- this. I think about this is on the, the wrong syllable. Yeah. <laughs> I was just, <laughs> you know, washing my hair the other day and I was like, man, Fallout Shelter. My goodness. Fallout Shelter. <laughs> <laughs> That's my deep thought for the week. Language is Asking amazing. the important questions. Yes. Yeah. <laughs> and they all, while you're washing your hair, no yeah. less. Yeah. <laughs> Keeping clean. Keeping yeah. it clean. All right. So besides Fallout Shelter, Simone, have you been playing anything? Yes. For once. I played, finally, Tales from the Borderlands, which is Telltale Games' um, 
take on the Borderlands series, and it is so much fun. Oh, my God. Definitely very M-rated, so um, not for kids. Lots of swears, blood and guts and all that fun stuff. Literal guts, like actual guts. Um, but, yeah, so basically it's the story of these you know misfits trying to make their way in the world and steal a bunch of money, and everything keeps going wrong. And um, like most Telltale games, the mechanic is quick-time events and choosing dialogue, and you have a, a timed dialogue choice that uh, will affect the outcome for your character. And I finished... Yes, I did finish episode two. I have not played episode three, which came out yesterday. Hmm. And I am probably going to go home and play it tonight and laugh my butt off because it is so funny. Like, there there are so few games, I think, that make you laugh out loud mm-hmm. for good, the right reason. And this is definitely one of the ones that's just hilarious. Yeah. And I love all the characters. <laughs> cool. Yeah. How about you, Courtney? Um, playing a little bit of Angry Birds Fight, which is the new Angry Birds game in which Why it's- don't you love yourself? I I was doing it for a new story, and then I haven't written the new story yet. But um, uh, basically, this is totally different from other Angry Birds games. It's uh, it's basically Pokemon Shuffle, if Ooh. you've played that, um, which is basically Bejeweled. <laughs> so you're like... Basically you're, a game that's basically another game that's basically... Yeah. Yeah. So games are as incestuous as Fire Emblem characters. Yes. It's all derivative. So you're, like, matching up little rows of three birds, and then um, the more you match, the better your little attack will get, and then it cuts to this little, like, video of you doing a little battle with some other actual real player somewhere Mm -hmm. else in the world who you can't communicate with in any way. You can just see their name. Um, And then you can, like, equip different uh, little hats or stuff onto your bird. So (laughs) it's for protection. So, like, Skylanders. <laughs> I, I haven't played Skylanders. Oh, they're Mom. they're more than just decorative. The hats. Yeah, no, they're they're more like Fallout Shelter outfits. <laughs> no, they're like hats in Skylanders. <laughs> Whatever. So. There are a um, lot of magical hats in Skylanders. You can also have weapons like a pencil or a tennis racket. <laughs> Those are weapons. Um, a so, pencil, honestly, could be a pretty vicious weapon. Yeah, honestly, <laughs> if it's sharp enough. Yeah. So I was just checking that game out, but mostly I've just been playing Fallout Shelter. Fallout okay. shelter. Fallout shelter. Fallout shelter. Fallout shelter. <laughs> oh my god. Stop. <laughs> um, so speaking of Telltale, I've been playing more of uh, Wolf Among Us. Oh. Again, not at all family friendly. <laughs> um, <laughs> I just finished episode three. I'm getting ready to start episode oh, four. So the great thing about that is that, you know, all the episodes have been released already. So I could just go from <gasps> one to the other. I don't have to wait. For the next one to come out. Um, but it's very, very cool. It's like they do like great cliffhangers at the end of each episode. Yeah. Um, which is awesome. And the art is great. The dialogue is great. Mm-hmm. The dialogue does the same thing like Simone was talking about where you've got a timed um, – you have a certain amount of time to make a dialogue choice. And if you don't, then it's kind of taken as you, you're just remaining silent and you're not answering <laughs> the question. Which can have its own yeah. connotations. Um, mm. But yeah, it's it's super cool, and I am loving it. it. I love it so much that I actually want to go read the comic book. Oh, wow. Nice. Yeah. Are you much so. of a comic book person, Nicole? No, there I am not. Go. Exactly. Mm. But I told my husband, like, I'm interested in checking out the comic book. He's like, well, game's doing its job then. <laughs> <laughs> Are you able to be mean in those games? I mean, physically, you yourself? Because I'm so bad at being mean. Like, I can't bring myself to do it. Yeah. I'm the same way. I'm really nice. But yes, you yeah. can. Like, there are times where you have options yeah. to hit someone or not hit them. I've I, I yeah. heard about the, <laughs> yeah. the glass him 
incident. Yeah. <laughs> there's a whole lot. There's there's a bunch of those. Like there yeah. are some where you actually have to because you're mm-hmm. defending yourself. Yeah. But there are definitely options like where you can rough up somebody who's yeah. like you're trying to question for things. And I have a yeah. really hard time being a bad person I'm in a video so game. Bad at yeah. it. Just like I get I get really nervous about being judged by the other characters, even though they're not real. <laughs> I had an opportunity to call a, a jerk in Tales from the Borderlands uh, an insult, and I I wussed out. And one of the other characters was like, "You wussed out," and I was like, "Now I feel even worse." <laughs> yeah, I, I want to go back and call him a wallet head. A wallet head. <laughs> nice. Uh, all right. So, other than that, I've been playing. Come on, people. You know what it is. Hearthstone. Um, uh, so I fin- You know, there was the tavern brawl mode yes. that got launched last week. It finished on Sunday. Um, apparently, it's just designed to um, make the game more accessible oh. to people, which is kind of weird to me because you have to have a hero at level twenty in order to play tavern hmm. brawl. So that's kind of yeah, <laughs> kind of at odds with each other. But yeah, so you get a pack, uh, a card pack, after you you win one game in there. Mm -hmm. And that's all you get. Like, the rest of it is just, like, bragging rights, I guess, of how many wins you have. Um, But it is, like, a really a level playing field because you don't even know what the rules are going in. And, And this last one, like... You didn't even like the cards were basically all new. Like there were only like three or four cards that I recognized wow. Um, wow. that were already in the game. The rest of them were like all kind of new stuff. And make, like I'm wondering if they're gonna they're gonna put those into the regular game because some of them are really really cool. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> um, uh, so uh, so we'll see if that happens. Um, but yeah, just earning my gold and getting my packs. Um, <laughs> <laughs> like you do, yeah. Um, my husband plays now, so um, uh, we play roped him in. against each. He actually plays more oh. than I do now. Wow, he does. Like he does it on his iPhone. I do. I don't know how anybody plays on their phone. You play it on your phone. I, fit, I play it on my phone. It's so tiny. Exactly. Like like I don't even know how you deal with that UI. Like I would have to have my glasses on. It's just, <laughs> there's no way I could do it. Um, but yeah, we play against each other from time to time. Um, and uh. But yeah, he got up to like the same rank as me, and he was like, oh, "Like he's showing me his phone." <laughs> How like, dare he? I'm just like, but he plays it like more than I do. So like, I get like three or four games in after my daughter goes to bed, but like he'll come home from work, and be on his phone. Like I'll pick it up in the middle of the day when I'm not at work. Yeah, and he'll be online. It's like <laughs> it's like he's constantly on there. <laughs> well, um, I walked over to your desk the other day, and you were playing it. That was the day Tavern Brawl came out, so of course <laughs> I was <laughs> playing it. It's work-related. <laughs> exactly. I had to talk about uh-huh. it on the podcast. Uh-huh. Um, so, but speaking of Hearthstone, we got a great letter um, from Matilda in Sweden, no less. <clears throat> she listens. She says she's a big fan. She's not a mom yet. Um, but she says she's a huge fan of Hearthstone. She says she plays almost every day since it was in beta. And she also told me that she considers rank 15 to be good. Yay! <laughs> you know, on the, I don't know if it was the last podcast or not. I'm like, I'm rank 15. I got to rank 15. I have no idea. Is that good? Is yeah, that yeah. terrible? So she says she thinks it good. But at the same time, she says, my best rank is nine. And I'm like, really? <laughs> is she just humoring me? <laughs> Telling me 15 is good. And she has some friends that have been sniffing around legendary. Ooh. So, <laughs> so the way Hearthstone wow. works is in ranked play, you have there are 25 ranks, and then above that is a legendary rank. Wow. So Ooh. you know, yeah. So 15 so, is like 
I, I kind of I want to say halfway there. Yeah, yeah, it is. Okay. <laughs> um. Uh. So yeah, but um. Yeah. That's really cool. It's, it's nice to be told that that it's I'm not terrible. I guess. Text me. Maybe you're good at Hearthstone. Oh, yeah. thanks. Um. Uh. So, but she also had a question. She said she hears me talking a lot about earning the gold to buy packs, and she said she prefers to enter the arena where you always get a pack and have a chance of winning back the gold you paid to enter. She wants to know what I think of the arena mode. I like arena. Um, I used to do it a lot more when I was trying to collect dust because dust mm-hmm. is one of the rewards that you can get out of that. Um, but, yeah, I so like the arena. The arena, for people who don't know, is like you go in, you're given the selection of three different heroes. You pick your hero, and then th- you're building a deck of 30 cards. You get a choice of three cards, you pick a card. You get a choice of another three cards, you pick a card. And you build your whole deck that way. And so, theoretically, it's sort of a level playing ground. Um, <laughs> <laughs> but the other reason why <laughs> I haven't <laughs> been doing the arena lately is because I typically did not do well in it. I don't think I've ever been in the arena and said, wow, I'm really happy about this deck. You know, every time I'm like, <laughs> I hate this deck. I'm going to lose like right away. I guess that's our question for the listeners is, have you ever been happy with an arena deck exactly. that you managed to yeah. put together? <laughs> maybe, maybe it's the same for everyone. Yeah, maybe. <laughs> well, Matilda, tack, which is the Swedish word for thank you. Yes. Taxamiket. Oh, uh, that's right. I forget you're all about the Swedish folklore and everything. Yeah. Min svenska inte solbra, men okay, that means my Swedish isn't very good. But jag hoppa att du spelar Hearthstone mit Nicole means I hope that you play Hearthstone with Nicole. Wow. Yeah. I am <laughs> impressed. Tack. That is awesome. Tack. Um, so, so yeah, on that note, I think we're going to wrap it up. Jenna, thanks again for being here. Yeah, thank here. you so much. Oh, um, thank you. This was so much fun. Yeah, for sure. And you have to let us know when you've got your new game on the way <laughs> so, that, we'll so that we can talk about it. Um, as always with our listeners, if you have questions, comments, or feedback, you can send those to hello at pixelkin.org. I am thrilled that we are, are getting some feedback through that and some questions. So please, please, please do that. If you like what you're hearing, uh, please give us a review on iTunes because that helps with our popularity. You can also find us through various social media. On Facebook, we are Pixelkin. On Twitter, we are Pixelkin underscore org or Gaming with Moms. Uh, Also go to Pixelkin.org. We do lots of news, reviews, great features, great videos. You can see Simone's face once a week. Giving the <laughs> weekly news. Um, unfortunately, you don't get to hear how much she laughs during the filming of the weekly news. Yeah, it's just muffled laughter for like 45 minutes while is she's it muffled. <laughs> muffled Simone laughter is like a regular person laughing at right you. Yeah. yeah. Um, thanks so much for listening. Um, quick note I, your host, will not be here next week because, because I will be. Visiting my family in the Midwest. But Linda, our intrepid leader, will be back. However, I have a feeling she's going to make Simone host. Yeah! <laughs> um, Good luck, everyone. Yeah. So yeah. next week's episode will be all about Final Fantasy VII. Oh, okay. <laughs> no, it won't be. It'll be about Terraway. <laughs> yeah, it'll be about Terraway. Exactly. All right. Thanks so much for listening, and we'll be back with you next week. This podcast was recorded in the studios of the Jack Straw Cultural Center in Seattle, Washington.